You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system, up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant, with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. Today on the James Altucher Show. John Lee Dumas is one of not only one of my favorite entrepreneurs, but one of my favorite podcasters. He's done a podcast longer than I have. I've been going since 2013. He's been going since 2012. He wrote a book just recently, just came out, The Common Path to Uncommon Success. And what I love about this is there's very, very simple techniques that work about how to find your passion. Not only find the right niche, but find the right niche of the niche. Like if you want to do a podcast, for instance, how you niche down twice. And then how to execute as simply and easily as possible. And what I like, I always feel like I've had kind of a messy life. Like I've done lots of different things and it's hard for me to, like if someone asks me, what do you do for a living? It's hard for me to describe. But John Lee Dumas's book and techniques and ideas are so clean and I've seen them in action. He's probably one of the few podcasters I know that has made many, many millions of dollars just from his podcast. And he does it using these techniques that you can use. And I'm going to start using these techniques as well, particularly in my millionaire mentor program, which you can see some of the podcasts about those as well. But listen to this John Lee Dumas podcast and you'll see what I mean. This is a clear and easy methods and fun exercises to do to find your passion, find out how to make money with it, and then execute. So here's my good friend and great podcaster, John Lee Dumas. John Lee Dumas, author of The Common Path to Uncommon Success. You know, John, have your ears been burning a lot lately? I mean, have your ears like literally, they've probably been burning so much that maybe you thought you had some kind of like infection in your ear. Did you think you had an infection in your ear? It was like, you know, angels whispering in my eardrums because I know it was you talking about me. So that's It's that's true. Why. It's true. I've been talking about you a lot. You're my favorite example. And yes. this kind of um, segues with your book, actually, The Common Path to Uncommon Success. You have just this extremely blunt, honest way of talking about how you built your multi-million dollar business around your, your, your podcasting empire. I'm going to call it that, but it was a, it was a road, it's a roadmap, um, for anybody who wants to start a business. And of course now is the perfect time when so many jobs are, have been uncertain and, and so on and so forth. I always use you as an example of someone who I, I wrote this chapter It's called the spoke and wheel approach. And you find that 
that wheel for you, it was podcasting, but then there's many spokes. And, and when people look, you're always honest, like you're amazing. Like you, you, sh you share your income every month and we could see how the income breaks down and you, people could see your spokes, like, you know, podcasting, like a advertising revenues. And then there's the, you know, podcasters paradise, the, the Facebook community and, and you make revenues. You have a bunch of spokes, affiliates, journals. Yeah. Yeah. Lots. Yeah. So it's, so you are like the classic example of this. And that's why I'm so glad you wrote a book outlining not only how did you do it, but then you make it general enough. Anyone can use this game plan to do it. Uh, so many things to talk about. I've kind of bookmarked a bunch of pages. I got to take my glasses off to read now. Uh, <laughs> you decided that you wanted to do a podcast about entrepreneurship. You figured out who your ideal audience would be. You figured out what kind of content you should have. You have all sorts of questions. But basically, I want to ask you about the very first chapter. You said it's not necessarily about your passions and it's not necessarily about your skills. And I'm just, I always think about this a lot. Like, I do think people should do their passion, but often people don't know how to build the skills in their passion. And now on the flip side, of course, you should do something you're skillful at. Otherwise, you won't make it. There's plenty of people who will be better than you. But you know, so you have, you have to, but people don't know how to build skills. That's another issue. So, so tell me a little bit about passions and skills. Then I want to get into kind of your, your game plan. Absolutely. Well, first off, like, thanks for all the kind of words, James, like coming from you, it truly means a lot. I mean, I have looked up to you and learned a ton from you over the decades myself by reading your books, you know, your website, all your articles and stuff like that. So it's back at you, brother. This is definitely uh, mutual admiration. So I, I love having these conversations with you. And that's why I'm looking forward to uh, interviewing you for Entrepreneurs on Fire again yes. to just talk about your genius in your book, which is super exciting. And to your point about the passions and the expertise, like it's not either or. And that's unfortunately what so many people do. The vast majority do either or. They either just do something that they're passionate about or they just do something that they're good at that they have skills or expertise in. And the reason why those two strategies never work is because number one, if it's just something that you're excited about, guess what? That's awesome. That needs to be an ingredient, but it's called a hobby. If it's just something you're just excited about and people will be happy that you have a hobby, but they won't really care that much that you have a hobby. And it'll be something that you're excited about and you're passionate about, but until you do the following, people won't care. And the following is create the best solution to a real problem they have. And so just something that you're passionate or excited about, hey, that's great. That's a hobby. That's awesome. Now, just on the other side of things, if it's just something you're um, skillful at or have value to add to the world or that you have expertise in, if it just is that and there's no passion or excitement, that's something you're going to wake up one day sooner than later just being like, eh, I'm just not into this. And you're going to lose because of that because you need to have that passion, that excitement. So you have the curiosity. Like James, so many times that I've seen you find success, it's just because you've been following your curiosity. Like you're just such a curious person when you, when you get something in your head and you follow that path and you're able to then combine skills, expertise, and value with passion, excitement, enthusiasm. I call it combining those two into the zone of fire. And your zone of fire, which I describe in chapter one, as you brought up, is that commingling of passions and skills, the converging of excitement and expertise. There has to be both of those ingredients. Either or never works. Both at right. least gives you a chance. And you suggest 
um, spend five minutes or however long writing down all the things you're passionate about. Spend five minutes, you know, also writing things you you have skills at. What were some of the things you were passionate about on your original list that you weren't going to do as a business? So I was passionate about a lot of things. I was passionate about football. I was passionate about this sport called pickleball. I was passionate about- Big in Florida. Big in Florida and Puerto Rico, by the way, down in Puerto yeah, Rico as well. You're in Puerto Rico to avoid oh, yeah. taxes. Smart for you. Smart, smart, smart. Keep the money you make, brother. Um, I was big into health and wellness and exercise and all of that side of things. Um, I also loved traveling so much. I had all these great ideas about traveling. One of and which all I, these are potential podcasting topics. All of them, all of them, brother. Like I have this amazing podcast that I'm going to create someday called Cities by Sounds, where I go to like Paris, France, and spend six weeks just creating these six epic audio guided walking tours where it's just, mm. you put the earbud in, you're like, okay, you're standing in front of Notre Dame. I, you know, I won't get into details, but that's like a passion of mine, traveling. And then I, I found a way also to add value and in, in, in like actual value with this thing, you know, that I love traveling with this Cities by Sound idea. Like that's one of my zones of fire that I have yet to chase after, but that's just like one of those examples. So I had all those different things that I was passionate about that I just mentioned, but then I had to say, okay, but where's the convergence with value, with skills, with expertise that I can share with the world to, again, do that number one thing that's the hugest, most important step in the process, create the number one solution to people's real problems. Yeah, so, so like for instance, let's say, you know, you were passionate about football and let's say you were super skilled at not only commenting on football, you know, commentating on football games and interviewing players, but you also had a, a network where you could get lots of football players and other experts to come on your podcast. That's still not necessarily solving a problem. So you wouldn't, you would choose, you were also passionate about entrepreneurship and you knew podcasting would be the right platform for you. And all these are things you talk about in the book. So, and entrepreneurship actually does solve a problem for people. You describe how you make your avatar as someone who maybe is unhappy 90% of the time at their job and is looking for more. And so, yeah, so I'll, I'll let you continue. Like I've, I've been absorbing your book, but how would you, um, how would you decide between several different things? How would you develop your niche? Which you describe, you have to find your, you have to niche down and then you have to niche down and you repeat this several times. You, you know, if you resonate with everyone, you resonate with nobody. Totally. So step one, chapter one in this book, the common path on common success is step one of a 17-step roadmap. So there's 17 total steps. Step one that we've been talking about thus far is all about finding and discovering your big idea. That's what we've kind of been talking about thus far. It's such a critical step. I give you the exercises, the templates to go into the process of finding your big idea. But once you get your big idea, James, here's a problem. People get super excited. They should be excited, but the problem is your big idea is not what you should be going after right now as it is. You need to move on to step two, which is of course chapter two in the book, which is discover your niche. Now, what does that look like in a practical term? Well, guess what, James? I had a big idea. I love the medium of podcasting. I get it. It's free. It's on demand. It's targeted content. I love this medium. And this was back in 2012. So it was super early and I knew it was early. And I said, 
okay, podcasting is my big idea. I would have failed miserably by just, what would I have, I mean, like just podcasting, that's just like vague, broad. But again, most people just jump in without thinking twice about it. No, I knew I had to discover the niche within podcasting. So I went one layer deep and I said, well, what about business podcasts? That's a niche within podcasting. Okay, well, there's hundreds of business podcasts. What if I niche a second time? Well, that brings me down to business podcasts that interview entrepreneurs. And guess what, James? Back in 2012, there were seven other business podcasts that interviewed entrepreneurs. Our, our, our fellow friends, Pat Flynn yeah, of Smart Pat Passive Flynn. Income, Andrew Warner of Mixergy. There were five others Jamie Masters, well. eventual millionaire you mentioned in the book. Boom, Jamie Masters. There you go. There were seven. And I said- Okay, well, they're all great at what they do. Um, do I want to be the eighth best business podcast interviewing entrepreneurs? No, thank you. Let me discover something to go three levels down now that they're not doing, a void in the business podcast interviewing entrepreneur space. Let me find a void. Let me find an underserved market. So I said, well, what's my biggest complaints about these shows? I had a lot of great things to say about them, but my biggest complaint was, well, man, after I listened to an interview with Andrew Warner and this amazing founder and I get so inspired, I've got to wait seven days for the next interview to come live. And hey, I'm driving to work every single day. I'm hitting the gym on the weekends. Mm -hmm. I need more quantity. So I couldn't win, James, the quality game. I would have lost that game because I didn't have any skills, knowledge, or ability well, to do this. Or let me, let me add to that. Even if you won the quality game, even if you were a 10% better interviewer than all other seven of those podcasters, and you might be, you might not be, who knows? That's the thing. The, the average listener, or even us, we can't, nobody could tell who's 10 or 20% better. No. That's sort of inconsequential. You have to be, it's to your point, that third niche down makes you the only. That was so the it's not, only, it's not, James. Right. I love that you said that word. And so I did that niche down the third level. And I said, you know what? I'm going to become the only. I'm going to become the only podcast that interviews entrepreneurs seven days a week. My competition is doing four episodes a month. I'm doing 31. They're doing 50 a year. I'm doing 365. I'm going to win the quantity game. So I was the only show in town. Like back in the 90s, brother, you wanted to go get a movie, you had to go to Blockbuster. That was your only option. Back in 2012, 2014, 2016, you wanted a daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. I was the only show in town. Love me or hate me. If you wanted that interview daily in your subscription, boom, I was the only show. So I love saying this to people and I as an encouragement for people to think of an, uh, an example of where they can they can create this for themselves. The day I launched Entrepreneurs on Fire, I was the best daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. I you was have to be the, able to say that. I was the worst daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. I was the only daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. That, That's why I won. And, and you know what? It's interesting because you stood out because of that. I love Mixergy. I love Jamie's podcast. I love Pat's. All great. You, you were the, and now there's others as well. But but a now now um, consistency helps. You're the only consistent one too now since 2012. You've put out 2,500 episodes. But that daily thing was always so impressive to me. I remember for a while, and I don't know if you're still doing this. You were doing a five minute podcast sometimes. <laughs> Like, how did that work out? I just am curious. That's still going on. It was actually picked up by Spotify because it's, it's another daily podcast that I do called The Daily Refresh. And it's just a five-minute podcast where I share a quote 
um, uh, breathing exercises and one line of gratitude. So I always switch, switch up these different gratitude lines. And, and is that one doing well? Like, is that popular? That, that one's doing fantastic because Spotify picked it up and they put it in their store as a must listen daily podcast amongst like four or five other daily podcasts. So that show is killing it. Jay, take note. We're going to steal this idea. Where I'm <laughs> taking notes of all the ideas I'm going to steal. Let's, I just want to brainstorm for like two yes, minutes and then we'll get to the So let's say, and, and if we figure this out, it's okay. If we don't, it's okay. Bad, bad ideas are encouraged. Let's say someone wants to start an Italian restaurant and in New York City. Now there's a thousand Italian restaurants in New York City. So even if he's the best chef in the world, nobody cares. Nobody's going to know. And he's got to niche down and then niche down again. How should he start thinking about it? So listen, you have to say, I'm going to step back and I'm going to say, okay, what are the things that all the Italian restaurants do? And then he's just going to list out like all the commonalities. They all do pizza, you know, sp spaghetti. They claim they have the best pasta, the sauces, the this, the that, the checker, the red and white checker tabletop, like all the things. He's got to just figure out what is everybody doing? Okay. These are all the things that people are doing that I would potentially just be copying and blending in. And again, Blend in in New York City, forget about it. It's over game time. People have a million decisions all the time. So then you've got to take a step back and say, okay, this is what they're all doing. This is, again, just to kind of parallel this to what I was doing. I said, what is all the things that these podcasters, the interview entrepreneurs are doing? They all release They all release one episode per week. They all do this. They all do that. Like I just made a list out. And then you're going to step back and say, okay, what is the void in the marketplace? Like what are people really missing that is not being served. And you start to think about your own biggest complaints. You say, well, what are my biggest complaints when I go to these Italian restaurants? And again, this is totally off the top, off the top of my head because James just brought this completely random example. But let's just say that like, you went to Italy and like you just love the Italian restaurants to have these like, you know, fresh shucked oysters that come with every single meal, but you can't find a place in New York City that does these fresh shucked oysters for whatever reason. They just don't do it because it's just not part of, of what they do. And you say, well, what, well, what if I bring in and I become the only and therefore day one, the best fresh shucked oyster Italian restaurant in all of New York City. So, so like you would serve it with every meal or you would sell it or what would you do? you would just become the best. Like maybe you'd have a, a buffet where it'd just be like, this is going to be the ah. first and only buffet of this specific dish that crushes it in Italy. But for whatever reason, you know, just doesn't exist in um, New York City. And a great example of this too, if you ever read the book by the founder of Starbucks, you know, his yeah, first great book. aha moment, he was in Italy and he was just like sipping on these espressos every day and just saw that it was part of the culture. He came back to the States and like, there was nothing like that. People just had these big sloshing water down, you know, disgusting coffees that were just like, you know, Folgers and Maxwell House. And he's like, I know that this is my biggest complaint. I love coffee. And this is what they do in Italy with coffee. So I'm going to bring what Italy does back to the States because nobody's doing it here. And eventually, you know, Starbucks became what it is. And you would do the exact same thing with this Italian restaurant. Like, what are people actually doing in Italy that nobody's replicating here in New York City. And that's where the buzz starts. Because then people start talking about, did you hear about this restaurant that's doing something that nobody else does? Like, it's unbelievable. I, I love that. Out. And by the way, my impulse, your your first idea was much better than my gut impulse, which was <laughs> to put all pasta in sandwiches and serve it <laughs> pasta that way. Uh, that would be, okay, so niche down one more. My idea was really bad because it's carbs inside of carbs. That's awful. But like, so niche down one more. Within the Italian restaurant example? Yeah, now you have the shucked oyster Italian restaurant. Okay, and how about it's just like service like up, you just walk up to an actual um, 
um, pickup window. And like, this is something that like Shake Shack has done really well. So they, they, they're not like fast food restaurant per se. They're kind of like actual quality, casual food that comes out relatively quickly. And you have people that line up around the blocks for it. Yeah. Because you know what people love is they love time. And people now are just like, you know what? Like I'm out, I'm at, I'm at my job now. I know that I can maybe buzz down to this Italian restaurant. I can say, hey, they only have a pickup window, so they're super efficient. They can be very small, so you can be like, you know, um, not, not have to deal with the huge cost of having a restaurant with tabletops. Because guess what? If people want to go out to fine dining in, in New York City for Italian food, they can go to fine dining. But what if people want to just like go home, sit in front of the television and watch Netflix with their significant other? Like that might be something that's not really being served for high quality Italian food. And so, boom, you walk by, you just grab your food. It's waiting for you at the, at the little pickup window right there and you just go in and you just, and you just go on your way back to your house. So now you're niching down to like, this is the only place that has these dry shucked oysters and this is, you can pick them up and they're just there waiting for you and it comes with all the accoutrements that you need. And it's just kind of like, now, instead of like having to maybe go into a restaurant, get all dressed up, you know, maybe deal with some COVID in the situation, like all these different things. Now you're kind of circumnavigating all that and saying, yeah. we just are offering a different experience. I, I love this because A, we just randomly thought it's so of this. random. But 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 also this applies, people should think about this. And and you know, here's the thing: people like intuitively know this stuff, but when you actually put it to words, they realize, ah, I've been not doing this as consistently as I should be. I've been I've been really into observing which streamers on Twitch stand out lately, and you're right. Like, let's say you were gonna um, be a commentator about the NFL. You know, oh, I know everything about football and stuff like that. So you could be a commentator. But then if you niche down, you could say, well, I'm gonna be I'm gonna talk all about data and statistics for every game. Like, what's the interesting data points? But then you niche down more. Maybe you could say you could have a podcast or YouTube videos or streaming about the worst. Uh, ranked players in the NFL that should be the highest according to the data. So then you niche down even further, and there might there'd probably be a great audience for that. Like people, fantasy sports people are like, I, knew I was that just guy say is fantasy great. sports would be all over that. They'd be yeah. like, these are the sleepers. Like that could be the whole concept of the podcast. Is it you only talk about sleepers? Like everybody knows Mahomes and Tom Brady and this person. Nobody knows about the sleepers, but like you become the expert with the sleepers. Yeah, perfect. Um, all right, let's get into. Let's get in. This is such an important concept, though, for entrepreneurs so because people know it, but they don't necessarily uh, implement this stuff. And so, okay, it's identify. So, just to mention this, this is part of the chapter one: the discover your niche or chapter two. Identify your big idea, niche down, niche down again. Keep niche niching till it hurts. And how do you know when it hurts? It hurts when you become nervous that your target market is too small. Like what we just described with the yes. the sleeper players. That is a little nervous. Like that might be too small. Um, okay. And then you have so many good advice, but like with the podcast also, I, I, what, another thing I love about this podcast, about this book, there's 2 million podcasters out there. And because podcasting was, was part of your passion or was the platform that would, that you decided to get your passion about entrepreneurship out, you really had a couple of passions, which was like you say, facilitating conversations with people and solving a problem. And your platform was, you You love podcasting. It's not just your platform. You love it. And this is like almost a guide that any podcaster should read. So I'll leave that for the podcasters. Like you talk about having the best audio quality and all the things that was important for you and what you didn't like about it and all, all that kind of stuff. So, um, so here's another bookmark I have. Uh, then I love the fact that you create this avatar, which I never did. And I, mm. by the way, every mistake 
you talk about in the book I have made, <laughs> particularly with my podcast. I think I'm just lucky that the podcast has done well right. because I didn't really have a niche and I've changed niches on the podcast and I didn't have an avatar. I guess my avatar was me. Like I was, I, if I loved a topic, then that was my avatar. But <laughs> so describe the avatar concept. So here is what most people do not have in their world. They don't have a North Star. They don't honestly know where they're going. And so when you don't know what mission accomplished looks like, you're never going to accomplish a mission. Mm -hmm. When you don't know mm -hmm. what goal accomplished looks like, you're never going to accomplish that goal. And so for me, I knew from day one that I needed to create a perfect listener for my podcast. Now, of course, that's podcast specific, but this works for any single entrepreneur. Like what is, who is the, the perfect you know, client or customer for your product or your service or your coaching or your mastermind? Like fill in the blank for whatever it is that you do, who is that one single person? Because then what happens is you sit down and I, you know, just I direct you in the book exactly how to do this. And you're gonna write, you know, somewhere between 500, the more um, impressive ones I've seen, have been up to 2,000 words at times, where you are just writing out all the details of who your avatar is. And if, again, I've got to do me, this. This is such a good idea. I'm so going to do key. all the exercises in it's your book. It's so key. It's so critical because listen, now you have right there in front of you the perfect listener for your podcast, if you're myself or James who have a podcast, or you have the perfect coaching client for your coaching business, like whatever that is for you. And now for the first time in many people's lives, this happens. They get to a fork in the road, James, and they say, okay, should I go left or right at this fork in the road? And the problem is they try to make that decision. Now, guess what? It's always a mistake when that happens because you're using time, energy, bandwidth, potentially money to make the decision at this fork in the road to go left or, or to go right. But you're making the decision. You, you shouldn't be making the decision. You're the host of, the, of your podcast. You're the coach. You're the actual coach. You're not the perfect client, customer, or listener. So I just look at my avatar, who's Jimmy, and I can go into full details about Jimmy. I know him Did you name him after well. me? I was called Jimmy as a kid. <laughs> of course, man. Come on. And I know everything I, there is to know about Jimmy. So now whenever I come to a fork in the road, James, I don't have to think. I just say, okay, flip off my brain and just say, okay, what would Jimmy want at this fork in the road? Would he want me to go left or to go right? Like what benefits Jimmy, my avatar, the most? And it's obvious what benefits him the most because I know him incredibly well. And when I am always looking to serve my avatar, my perfect listener, all the forks in the road that I've taken a left or a right have all been from my perfect avatar, Jimmy. It's why my podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, continues to serve my audience in the best possible manner, has over 100 million listens to date, over 1.1 million listens every single month and growing because I continue to serve one person, my perfect listener. And you know what's great too about that is you don't have to compare yourself to Joe Rogan in the sense no. that he he is, you know, he sometimes, I mean, there's that saying which you quote, which is, you know, essentially, if you try to please everyone, you please nobody. No one. Yeah. And but But there is the one out of a million that will be able to do that. Joe has, you know, something like 90 million downloads and a month. And he's done it. And yeah, he's, he, done he's done it. Done and it. so what are you going to try to be? A pale, weak imitation of Joe Rogan? Which a lot of people do try to be, and it sucks. And they fail. There's, there's only Joe Rogan. And, and But what you do is, by having such a concentrated audience, 
your average people don't realize this. This is just a subtlety of the business. Your advertising dollars become greater, per, you know, per thousand. Way greater. And, here's, and let's sit on this for a second because this is so key that you brought this up because it's so true. And so I'll give you a specific example. When I first was um, potentially going to have sponsors on my show back in 2013, I had a company come to me called The Midroll, and they said, hey, John, we've thus far only sponsored comedy podcasts, um, but we want to get into the, into the business space as well because we've got some sponsors that could really work well for the business space, like LegalZoom, Squarespace, 99designs, where like, you know, they really want to be speaking to business owners specifically. And so they looked at my downloads, they're like, well, your downloads are a lot less than comedy shows and you, you know, how sponsors pay per thousand listens. And they're like, let's just do a test run. So they did a test run for a month and the sponsors that they brought on my show blew their lid. They're like, dude, we're getting 10x the conversions on a show that is 10% of the total listenership. But why, James? 99% of people listening to those comedy podcasts were never going to be customers for Squarespace, right. for LegalZoom, for 99designs. They were just trying to get a chuckle. They were just yeah. random people driving to work. But people that listen to Entrepreneurs on Fire, these are business owners. These are people who are aspiring to grow businesses. So almost 100% of my listeners should have been using the products that I was promoting. And a lot of them did end up taking action on that because they heard about it on the show. And boom, the conversions, the ROI, the return on the investments for the sponsors of my podcast, even though back then it was small but mighty, was just destroyed comparably these yeah. much bigger podcasts that had such a broad, vague audience. No, and, and it's why like even in the sort of BS example we came up with in three seconds on the, 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 <laughs> the sleepers for football players, uh, there's a thousand different companies related that cater to fantasy sports. They would pay top dollar as opposed to advertising on a more generic like comedy or news podcast or whatever, because they know they're going to target their audience. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and, and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e it can easily fit into your lifestyle and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I remember last year I was asked to go speak at the Norway Business Summit, and I was so excited because side by side with the Business Summit was the Norway Chess Summit, where I would get to see in person Magnus Carlsen, the best chess player ever, playing chess. But it was four plane rides. 
like to get to the city that ultimately I would go to. So I really did not want to fly for 14 hours. And they, they were willing to pay for everything for me. So I, I, at first class. So I didn't want to fly for 14 hours and not be first class. So I had to hurry up and get on the phone immediately to get those first class tickets to a chess tournament in Norway. And listen, this is just like when, you know, you have to know when you want the best of anything, you have to act quickly or someone else will get it instead. And I did not want those seats to fill up. So it's like if you're hiring for your business, you want to find the most talented people for your open roles before the competition scoops them up. I just was talking to a friend this morning where he was trying to decide between some programmers and he waited a little too long and both the programmers he was interviewing took other jobs, like great jobs. So, you know, what's the best way then to hire the best as quickly as possible? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds qualified candidates fast. And right now you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Just try it and see. You'll, you'll find out. So ZipRecruiter's powerful matching technology takes center stage to identify the top talent for your roles. Immediately after you post your job, ZipRecruiter's smart technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I know this because one time I signed up as an employee, potential employee on ZipRecruiter, and I got nonstop, really, I was, even though obviously I wasn't looking for a job, I love what I do, but I just wanted to see what would happen because they were a, a, a sponsor of my podcast. And the most interesting jobs would pop up in my emails like, hey, you're qualified for this or that. And so it's interesting to see. So just just go there and try it. Try ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Amp up your hiring performance. Now, this is more for if you're hiring, but amp up your hiring performance with ZipRecruiter and find the best fast. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address right now to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. This episode is brought to you by AARP. Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. I want to get to finding the mentor. This is such Ooh. an important concept. And I recommend this a lot in my writings and stuff, but I don't want to pressure people. I always feel like in the writing, I don't want to set a problem too hard that maybe they can't find a mentor in their local area or they're too young or so I always say too, you know, virtual mentors are okay as well, like YouTube videos and and things like that. That might I I don't know, but what you know, you talk about how to find your mentor and and uh I didn't actually know this story about uh how oh, Jamie really? Masters was cool. your was your mentor, but you you, how did you identify, and you talk about this, but how did you identify her or write to her? Why should she respond to you? A lot of people write to me and say, let me know what I can do for you. And 
I don't, I've talked about this before on my podcast. I don't like being given a homework assignment. So right. that person gets disqualified. <laughs> so, and that sounds mean. I don't mean to be mean, but I get, I get but that. But it's true. No, listen, it's not being mean. It's being realistic. So your listeners right now can actually take proper action, which is specific. This is how I can provide value to you, James Altucher. Is this appealing to you? And the answer is no, then it's no. But hey, they're really specific. And like, you're like, hey, I can take your crappy LinkedIn page and I can just make it beautiful overnight, which by the way, people have done for me. I'm like, have at it. Like, I don't spend, I don't want to spend my time in bandwidth doing something on LinkedIn I don't even know anything about. And they've crushed it for me and improved that. And like, that was some massive value they added to my life. But back to the point on finding a mentor, this is where most people go wrong. They're just like, oh, I watch Shark Tank. Man, I want Mark Cuban to be my mentor. I want Barbara Corcoran to be my mentor. Like, no, you don't. Like, listen, those individuals are amazing at what they do. So if you want to like run a, like a multi-billion dollar real estate empire in New York City, yeah, Barbara Corcoran would be good. But most, pe most people, that's not what their focus is. If you want to, you know, know how to start, you know, an audio streaming company back in the 90s, like, yeah, Mark would have been a great mentor for you. But it's 2021. You need to do the following when it comes to finding a mentor. Identify an individual who is currently where you want to be in about a year's time mm. for a that's lot a, that's of a reasons. key insight by the it's way it's so key like barack obama probably shouldn't be your mentor no but maybe like the mayor of a town or a campaign manager or a congressman if you want to be president eventually <laughs> <laughs> so listen it's exactly the right point james because this is the reality when i was looking for a mentor if i had found somebody who had been podcasting for 10 years like and they were just kind of doing their thing like they, that's going in the right direction for a mentor. But again, that person doesn't remember what it was like to launch a podcast. They, they haven't done it in a decade. Everything's changed over that time frame. There's nothing relevant to their advice. So I went and I found the perfect mentor. I went and found Jamie Masters. She had, she was a successful business podcast host who had launched her podcast about 14 months prior. And I guess had what? no idea that she had that her. I thought her podcast launched. Around 2015, 2016. No, I had no was, idea she was around. I that was long. listening to Jamie Masters when I was still in real estate, like driving mm -hmm. around. Like she was in the game before I was even an entrepreneur. Like she is OG status. And so I said, she launched 14 months ago. Wow. Like she remembers what it was like to launch recently. She remembers the mistakes that she made, the successes that she had that I can emulate, the mistakes that I can avoid that would be the perfect mentor for me. And it turned out to be exactly true because when I hired Jamie, she was able to do all of that. Like, John, this is the best way to launch a podcast. This is the best way to spend your first three months. These are the conferences to go to. These are the people you should be talking to. These are the mistakes you should avoid. She was able to tell me everything because guess what? She was a successful business podcast host who had launched within a year. I wanted to be a successful business podcast host. I wanted to be where she was in a year's time. And I was able to accomplish that because I found the right mentor. And you not only found the right mentor, but you also found the right way to communicate with her. And, you know, and you share how you communicate with her to, to you know, get her to be your, your mentor. And I think, I think you'll underestimate a little bit the skill set you're bringing to this. Like, like you say, your skill set is to facilitate conversations, but that's also a skill you have in your general life as well. And you were able to get her to talk to you and communicate with you and be your mentor, which is a, which is a hard thing to do. A lot of times people ask me, how do I find a mentor? And you answer this in your book. And I think, I think it's, it's a really good answer, but like, what's, what someone should, what's something that someone should think about 
when they want to communicate with that mentor. And by the way, they shouldn't identify one person. If Jamie had rejected you, she probably wouldn't have been the right mentor for you. Not that she would have been, not that she's bad or good that someone rejects you, but just you want someone who's ready to mentor someone as well. You want to find a mentor for sure, like somebody who mentors. And that's why in the book too, I go through this process. You need to list and identify your top five mentors. And then once you have the top five mentors, you then sit down and you create a pro and cons list of who would be the best mentors and why. And you create in order um, your priority list and you just go down the order. And guess what? Number five, if it gets down to that, will be a fantastic mentor for you. I mean, these are the top five potential mentors for you. So, you know, don't be disappointed when the first couple may not work out and they may not. You just keep going down that list. And that's exactly what we kind of break down is exactly how to search for those mentors, how to reach out to them the right way. And I actually give you complete email scripts uh, to use when you're reaching out to these individuals. Um, and then how to prioritize them to actually identify which ones make the most sense for you for various reasons and so on and so forth. Like it's a really exciting process. And you know what I, I like about all this, and this is, this is you and your podcast from the beginning is there's a certain cleanliness to how you're describing everything. And I say this, I I'm saying this in comparison to myself. Like I always find people ask me, Oh, explain your business. And it's just like, sometimes my business is a little messy. Like it's hard to explain <laughs> or, or like, what's your book about? And this is not the case for every one of my books, but for some of them, it's hard to explain a consist. What's, what's your podcast about? Well, I've got a lot of peak performers, but I also have a lot of comedians. I have a lot of business guys. I have a, you know, it's not a clean, it's never clean. And you, everything you do has kind of this real, I cleanliness is, is, sounds like the right word. I know it doesn't describe it exactly, but it's- I like to be just, black and white, James. You know, I like to yeah, be that's like- Yeah, it's very black and white. Either on, I'm going to tell you, this is how it is, this is what I believe, and I'm going to be very clear. Like, it's either black or white for me. Like, I don't, I'm not giving you like this color spectrum of like, you can do this or this, or you could do this, 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 and this. I'm like, listen, I've interviewed over 3,000 of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. I've learned- from the James Altuchers of the world to the Tony Robbins to the Barbara Corcorans to fill in the blank. I've learned from every single one of my guests and I've been able to identify and develop the 17 core foundational principles that every single successful entrepreneur shares. The journey, the roadmap, the path that they've been on. And of course, it's never this straight roadmap to success. I mean, James and I have both been on curvy paths but at the end of the day, there are 17 core principles that I go through in this book. Yeah, no, and I love the exercises because they're really clean and they work. Like what we've, we've given exercises for niching down, you know, finding what business type of business you should be in, uh, finding your mentor, uh, uh, you know, you have the similar things for, you know, finding your, your platform. Uh, there's one area I want to get to, which is, uh, you know, the mastermind, you know, either, either join or create a mastermind. And I know you've been in various mastermind groups and, and still are, but you, and, and I refer to this as, I mean, I describe you, I believe in my book, and I refer to this as a, as a spoke, you created, I would say, I mean, there's a lot of Facebook communities out there for podcasters, uh, where you join these private groups and there's podcasters and you all talk about things, but podcasters paradise is really the best. That's yours. And it's just, you You created it early on. I don't know if you were the first or not, but you created it early on. It was the first one I joined and it's great. 
it, it, you, you created your own mastermind and that became a huge revenue source for you as well. Absolutely. And I think this is such a key point in the process because if you hear James, he tells the truth about the ups and the downs he's experienced over his career. I've had the ups, I've had the downs. When you can surround yourself with the right people, when you can surround yourself with people who are supportive, who will guide you, who will hold you accountable, who will hold your feet to the fire when you kind of want to be a little bit of a slacker or when you're doubting yourself too much and they're being like, you know, get up off your feet and let's do this. Like you, people need those people in this world. Otherwise, you know, it's so easy, especially in this online entrepreneurial world, especially in the past year or two when we've kind of been shut in our homes here to just kind of like slink away and disappear. And the right mastermind will not let you slink away and disappear. It will not let you, what we call in podcasting, pod fade, or just all of a sudden you just stop podcasting. Like it won't let you do that. And that's why I go through a very detailed process and I actually feature Jamie Masters, my mentor in this book, because she's created one of the best masterminds that I've ever seen as well that's been going on for 12 years now. Wow. Nonstop, by the way. And she runs it like, you know, just... Boom, boom, boom. And she lays out the exact process, like what your mastermind should look like from minute one to minute, whatever you end up creating for your length, like how you rotate hot seats, like the questions you ask, the questions you answer, the commitments you make, how you hold people accountable. Like it's all in there. The process is there. It is complete because you need it. Because there's going to be some times when, wow, you are going to need the support and the love of your mastermind. And there's going to be times when the people in your masterminds, individuals are gonna need your love and your support. And I'll tell you, nothing feels better when you're down and out than to have people come in a, either virtually or in person sometimes, knock on your door and get you out of that funk. And there's, and there's nothing also that feels better than to be one of those people that's getting somebody else out of their funk for whatever reasons, because there's ups and there's downs in this roller coaster of entrepreneurship. We've all experienced them no matter what, we may project on Instagram or during my 25-minute interview. People are like, John, you're always so excited. I'm like, you're listening to me for 25 minutes of the day. Believe me. Like, talk to Kate, my fiance. She'll tell you I'm not always excited. I'm not always up and optimistic. I have my emotional roller coasters as well because I'm a human being. And masterminds are so key to keeping you on the path to success. And, and it's really true. Like, look, I, I've met some incredible people over the past 10 years in mastermind groups. So, you know, I would go to Jason Gainyard's uh, mastermind community, which is very good. And, Huge. you know, and Podcasters Paradise is another uh, group that I participate in on occasion. And it, I consider the, these people, particularly the ones I get close to friends, but they're different really than friends. Like, I don't always expect my friends to lift me up, like you say, or to notice when something's off. But you're right. The people in in these other types of work communities that kind of border concepts of friendship, they're the ones who really notice when my work is off and, and call me and say, hey, is everything okay? Is all <laughs> all right? And so it is, that is valuable. And I'm sure you've experienced the same thing. Like, like your friends where you live, they're not always going to notice that. And you might not want to even let them see that part of you. You know what I mean? But with the masterminds, it's a little, there's a different kind of comfort level. Not more totally. or less, just different. Totally. Um, you know, it, you talk about diversify your revenue streams. This, you know, your your mastermind group, the Podcasters Paradise, is part of that. But I think this is extremely important 
Like on the one hand, you have focus. Like everything you do is about your podcast, not even about entrepreneurship, but about your podcast. And you focus on that, but it's very important to not confuse uh, focus with diversification of revenue streams. It doesn't mean lack of focus just because you have more than one revenue stream. So, and I, I'll just add, as you get fluent and fluid in a particular industry, you'll start to realize and be creative of the different types of revenue streams that could occur. But uh, maybe, you know, discuss that for a second. Cause I think this is everything, every chapter is really critical and important, but I want to get the, to the heart of these things. So a diversified revenue stream, like business for you is not going to happen overnight. It's going to come over time. There's going to be that one thing that you focus on your big idea, the niche within that big idea, that's going to give you that initial momentum and traction. And the wheels are going to start rolling for me. Of course, I was an entrepreneur was on fire. And then as my podcast started getting some notoriety and I, had a big, you know, I started growing an audience. I turned to that audience and I said, okay, now that I'm delivering you a daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs and you're telling me that you love it, what is your biggest struggle right now? And then they told me, hey, John, we're passionate about sports or health or music or knitting. And we want to share our voice with the world via a podcast. How do we do that? And that was me saying, okay, I'm going to solve that problem. My audience is telling me they have with a course called Podcasters Paradise, which is a course, a community, a mastermind. And that became a secondary revenue stream for me. So now I had the podcast with sponsorships. Now I've got the course for podcasters. And then guess what? I started promoting the podcast over and over again on a live webinar. And people were just like, John, how are you doing these live webinars every week? And you're making all the sales for the course. Like, how do, how do I do a live webinar? I'm struggling with that. And so I created a, another course called Webinar on Fire, where I taught people how to create webinars that convert. And that I became another revenue stream. And then a year later, people are just like, John, like I hear all the people on your show are talking about how they accomplish their biggest goals and like goals are everything. I don't even know how to set a goal. I don't even know how to begin the process of accomplishing a goal. And I said, I'm going to solve that problem. So I sat down and created my first physical product, which is called the Freedom Journal. Accomplish your number one goal in 100 days. And I said, okay, my audience tells me they want this, but let's prove the concept first. So I went to Kickstarter and I said, hey, my audience, Fire Nation, is telling me they want this. A goal, <clears throat> a goal journal that's going to guide you to accomplishing your number one goal in a set time frame. In this case, I'm thinking 100 days would be a good time frame. If this sounds interesting to you, back this project. And if enough people back this project, and I set a goal of $25,000, I'll go and I'll manufacture and I'll produce this product. Well, James, we did $453,000 in sales in 33 days. It became the sixth most funded uh, publishing campaign of all time on Kickstarter. And guess what? I went and I created the Freedom Journal, how to accomplish your number one goal in 100 days. And it's now sold millions of dollars of, of, uh, of books, of journals on Amazon and Shopify and other places. And I've continued to do that over time. And so here, when it comes to diversifying your revenue streams, this is what I always tell, tell people, because they say, John, man, you're just an idea generator. You just come up with so many great ideas. And I, and I say, honestly, I'd love to say yes to that, but I've come up with one great idea in my life, and that was Entrepreneurs on Fire, to create the first daily podcast interviewing entrepreneurs. Every other idea that's become a multi-million dollar revenue stream for me has been for me asking that question, what's your biggest struggle right now? 
and then hearing my audience tell me their struggles, their obstacles, their challenges, and then me picking which one I want to create the solution for. And so my audience has come up with every other revenue stream. My audience has come up with every single big idea I've had since the launch of my podcast. You should, you should do a course on how to create a successful Kickstarter project. <laughs> we do actually have, and I mean an epic, like 10,000 word post called How to Crush It with Kickstarter. So you can just check it out at eofire.com slash Kickstarter. By the way, you you have so many people that are are mutual friends of ours that have written like, that have contributed to your book. Like here's Ramit Sethi on Keeping the Money You Make. You have Hal Elrod, you have John Murrow, um, wrote little, you know, Jamie Masters, like little one-page things like Jamie Masters on Creating a Mastermind. Uh, I think you have John Murrow on Building an Avatar. Uh, how come you didn't ask me to write something? It's because I don't have a, a clean answer to any of these things. They're all these guys. <laughs> Rob Marit Sethi devotes his life to that one concept. How, how do you keep your money? John Morrow on who's your, totally. your, your customer. And that's exactly what I did, James, is I just sat down and I said, okay, I have the 17 core foundational principles. Who best exemplifies of everybody that I've interviewed over the past decade? Each one. So the reality is like, the first person that came to mind, I said, that person, for whatever reason, I feel like is the best of this specific step in the process of this specific principle. And I asked them to contribute. And I will tell you, I had my first like 17, like my dream 17. I had backups to that and then backups to that backup. I wasted my time, brother. Every single person I asked was kind enough to contribute to this book. So the 17 people you're seeing are all my number one choices. I was on your third list of 17, but you didn't need to get <laughs> you didn't need to get to that. And you know, I will say there's there's an interesting nuance to that, which is by being the daily guy, that means you've spoken to and you know 2500 successful entrepreneurs. So if they're they re just reciprocity, if you were to ask them, they're going to say yes. But also by creating your own mastermind and essentially podcasters paradise on Facebook, you're also the source. You're like the, the, you know, nobody wants to ever disappoint the source. And, uh, that's a, that's a key nuance that people should think about when they're joining an industry. Like, that's why I remember back in 1995, you know, the web development was a, a beginning industry. And there was one guy who started a magazine about the industry. And I thought that was such a genius idea. Mm. And Jason Kalkanis, he's still doing that. Here it is. It's wow. 26 years later to this day. He's still doing that. He's got his whole launch podcast. And, you know, because he's always been the source, the center, he's been investors in a lot of great deals, including the first investor in Uber. Oof. And, you know, it's being the source creates success. That's such an important thing. And you've exemplified it with your whole career. So there's so many other chapters and exercises I, in this book. I I'm going to go through this just to finally figure out what I want to do with my life. It's, it's <laughs> the common path to uncommon success by John Lee Dumas. John, I have one more question for sure. you. I love you and Kate, like you and Kate seem to have such a great relationship. Of, of course, I don't see you when you're arguing or <laughs> on a daily basis or whatever, or, you know, how you, you emotionally abuse right. her all the time, but whatever, but. How, how have you, how, how, what's like, you guys really seem to have like a good give and take with each other and you work well together. Like what's the secret to your relationship success? 
I'm going to tell you the secret, and this is just honest. It's, this is going to be a good, clean answer. I'm waiting for it. It's a good, clean answer because <laughs> the secret is Kate's. And I'm not saying that, you know, for any reason besides the fact that it is the truth. She's just an amazing woman. Like, it's just one of those things, James, where like whenever I say something stupid, which is pretty often, you know, which in 99% of other human beings would potentially be a cause for a fight. She just looks at me with this look that just has like, why are you being a child right now? She doesn't say anything. She just looks at me with those eyes. And I'm like, why am I being a child right now? And then I just kind of like regroup and I smile and we move on. And like, it's just she has the ability of being like, I'm not going to engage with you when you're being stupid, which is at least 50% of the time. So just get over yourself. And then when you want to say something halfway intelligent, we'll have a conversation. So I just got to give her all the credit. Well, that's that's a great answer. And I believe it. A lot of times people answer that way and I feel like they're pandering, but she's not here. No. She might never listen to this. So mm -hmm. I, and I, and I see you guys, I think that's really true. <laughs> and, and I think the, an important key to success is having the right person to share it with. So that is The Common Path to Uncommon Success, A Roadmap to Financial Freedom and Fulfillment by John Lee Dumas, uh, also host of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, that I've been on multiple at least times. once, maybe multiple times. Yeah, I think, we've, and you've been on this one multiple times. Yeah. So, and I just, I, I, I love the Podcasters Paradise community. I don't want to forget mentioning that because I'm, I'm a big fan of that. And I mentioned that in, in my book. And John, uh, John Lee Dumas, thanks once again for coming on the podcast. I think your book's great, very clean, and and I'm going to do these exercises myself, so I hope other people do as well. Thank you, brother. Much appreciated. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. 